Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mindwall podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything new and innovative in the mining industry, specifically focusing on digital innovation and digital transformation, of course. This morning, we've got an old friend back, Mike Woodall, who is a mining executive at MineRP and uh, and a person interested in the topic that we're going to be talking about and also someone that knows quite a bit about it. And today's topic is going to be standardization. Uh, I've heard many people use that word as a swear word. I've, ha- I've heard people uh, hanging a lot of hope on the term standardization. And I've seen people and projects come and go that have attempted to to oversimplify um, the work that has to be done to achieve standardization in in, in mining, but even in in other worlds. So uh, with that introduction, uh, welcome to MineWorld again, Mike Woodall. Yes, thanks, Epi. Nice to be back. Um, During the discussions, I will reference the use of terminology. And uh, just as we get started, let me pick you up on the term old. Uh, the correct English term is older. Uh, older. <laughs> no, I meant our friendship is, is older. Oh, like, yes, absolutely. You know, no, that's true. An old friend, not, not you know. <laughs> but I guess, uh, you know, my grey hair should give away that, that, uh, that, that maybe yours uh, is a little bit more advanced, but I'll put that down to experience <laughs> and wisdom. <laughs> wisdom gained. Mike, um, you know, talking about having been in a, around, you of course have been around a bit uh, in the mining game. So why don't you just put, tell our listeners again a little bit about your background and and how you've come to uh, to be involved in standardization work and mining standards. Okay, sure. Um, I'm a mining engineer by background. Uh, I did my uh, first degree in Australia, worked around there for a year. And then I came to South Africa for two years, and that was in 1975. I'm mm-hmm. still here. Um, I've got about 25 years production and projects under the belt before I joined what is today Mine RP, and that was back in 1998. Um, so I, you say I have been around a while. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got an invite to the 50th anniversary of my matric class, which caught me a bit by surprise. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least he got an invite back, you know. Mm. <laughs> in terms of standardization, it was something we got involved in quite early in the uh, days of mine RP because we had taken a view of the mining business as process. Right. And so a lot of my involvement with standardization in various uh, forms brings from that source. And I'm going to just take you up on that one. I think it's an important differentiation, uh, you know, Thinking of mining as a process, as opposed to a you know a collection of uh, distinct activities and distinct capabilities that have to be enabled. I remember uh, you know approaching mining, of course, from from so- a software development angle, which is my background, and then speaking to you for the first time. It must have been close to twenty years ago, and and seeing how in in your mind you uh, connected the various activities into a uh, a collection of interrelated and and interconnected processes, and how that, of course, had implications for the way that we share information and the way that that actual miners collaborate, and the way that systems and now I'm not talking about IT systems but business systems 
kind of hand over, uh, you know, the one to the other in the process of adding value to to the rock that you dig up from underground uh, until the process where it eventually is produced. So what what first made you really kind of latch on to this idea of mining as a process? Okay, going back to just shortly before I joined GMSI, where I'd already had, as I say, 25 years or so in the mining game, I didn't think of myself as a silo thinker. Trained as a mining engineer, you have a fairly broad range of exposure to uh, various facets of the mining business. But in a workshop with some uh, seven, uh, another six colleagues, at the organization we worked for at the time, both of us or all of us had been there at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely astonished at the difference we all had in terms of what we thought made the organization tick. And that's when I realized mm -hmm. I too am in a silo. Now, the mining industry is big enough to make careers out of individual silos. So you're a geologist or an engineer of various kinds, a metallurgist, a surveyor, um, we have different perspectives on this mining business. Sure. By viewing the business as process, we can overcome those discipline barriers which are alive and well even today. Yeah, you're not talking about losing those perspectives. You're talking about integrating those perspectives. Absolutely. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, it's not uh, in the workshop. It sounded like these guys didn't know what they were talking about. But in fact, all they did was uh, provide a perspective of a very large organization from the bit that they worked in. Okay, so before we jump into uh, approaches to standardization, et cetera, et cetera, why don't you just put us in the picture? What is meant by that word? Let's let's standardize that term. <laughs> for okay, well, yeah, there are various aspects to it from uh, our perspective. Let's start at the data level. That's really the messiest place to go and play. Uh, we know that there are well over 500 mining technical systems out there from more than 250 vendors, and new ones keep coming. Mm. So that it's not getting any easier to play at the data level. Sure. Uh, we talk about exchanging information between various bits of software. There are some useful initiatives, uh, but not universally adopted. There have been several efforts over the years, but quite often they come from within a single discipline or at best two or three disciplines in terms of their view of the business. So, so information exchange standards would, would, be, uh, would be very technical in the sense that if I give you information, I will give it to you in a file of this format versus a file of that format. No, or, exactly that. And we don't yeah. understand each other's format. So we have to come up with some way of, of right. getting the two to talk to each other. Then we have uh, just generically naming convention standards. The simple one on any given mine there must be a workplace naming convention. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the more the any given mind practice the discipline in that area, the better off they are when it comes to uh, reporting and shifting information between users. Sure. But sure. to take that up on a bigger scale, the various naming conventions that you find in different mining companies there is some overlap and some internal consistency, mm -hmm. but there isn't any one universal way of doing these things. And so creating models, giving visibility to the terms, and in particular, 
based on a process definition of the business is the approach that I've personally found most useful. And so, so what we're saying is we, we really are interested in creating a model and, and each one of us can map our conventions to that model. And that means that different companies uh, can continue maybe using slightly different variations or, or regional approaches, but we, we have this translation table in the middle that helps us to understand that we are talking about X, even though we may call it X squared and X divided by two. 100%, yep. And, and decent models will provide that facility. A lot of people use the term enterprise in their go-to-market uh, blurbs, but very few software vendors actually have enterprise models at the back of what they do. And when I say enterprise, I mean the entire mining business. And so you talk about that as a, as a reference model, right? Absolutely. I can tell you that my favorite one is the Open Group's Exploration Mining Metals and Minerals Forum, Exploration and Mining yeah. Business Process Reference Model, to give it its full title. It's quite a mouthful, but uh, it came out in 2010, and it certainly stood the test of time. And if you ask me, how do I understand mining? That is the model I go back to to start the conversation. So, so just from that perspective, I mean, the model is important and, and these standards, A, so that I can play nicely with, you know, with consumers and producers of, of information uh, upstream and downstream from me. But it is also important, I guess, in order to understand what the total landscape is, in fact, or else there's this risk of people thinking that my part of the business is, in fact, the whole business, isn't it? No, no, absolutely. Um, a really good example of that, uh, people talk about mind planning. They think it's just mind design, sequence and schedule. We're our own worst enemies. We hire mind planners to do that kind of work. And hence, we call that mind planning. That's not mind planning. Mind planning as a process starts when I collect geological data and it finishes when I can express my business case in monetary terms. Right. So again, the process model approach has proved very, very useful. But all of this is still at the uh, an individual conversation level. There is another initiative or a group of initiatives at a global level where people are trying to get collaboration going on various topics of interest in the mining business uh, with varying degrees of success. And we can talk about a couple as we go along. Uh, the one that springs immediately to mind is the Global Mining Guidelines Group. And EPIROC is a corporate member there. The battery electric vehicle initiatives over the last few years have sprung mainly from a collaborative effort at that level. There are enough OEMs and mining companies interested in this topic to get together and make something happen. So it's a really good example of what can be done when people get their heads together. Yeah, but interestingly, that is is, is also, at least my perception of it is, focused on, on understanding the bigger mining processes, but not necessarily at, uh, at, at focusing on the data level and, uh, and the data formatting standards and, and so on. Or am I wrong? Yeah, no, they are uh, an offshoot of that. And there are other initiatives, particularly with uh, groups like the Open Group, who are, you know, that's the enterprise uh, architecture credentials. Um, those guys live and breathe data and interoperability. 
Sure. Uh, and there are a couple of other initiatives we can talk about later as well that um, are following up on that same line of thought. So we, before we bore people to tears with, you know, with all the diff different kinds of technical uh, uh, approaches to this, why on earth would one want to spend your time, you know, trying to standardize formats and processes and conventions and so on? Sure. The, the, the generic one is uh, doing things faster. OK, uh, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel every time you do the same thing. So repeatability is for me a very important word when it comes to standardization discussions. Mm -hmm. And the other word then is scalability from small to as large as you like. Um, and so with proper models, uh, we can hold conversations at many levels of scale. And then, of course, there are a few extra pressures out there which make uh, standardization efforts uh, happen. Is when there is enough regulatory or um, sometimes legal uh, pressure on companies to actually get together and collaborate things that need to happen in a consistent way across uh, the mining industry landscape. And a good example of that is integrated regulatory reporting. Uh, these days you'll hear the term triple bottom line, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, but depending where you're listed and in which country you do business, um, there is at least some consistency in terms of how you report what happens. Right. And and bodies like the International Council on, on Mi uh, Mining and Metals in the ICMM, they are interested in guiding mines and, and kind of setting the standards for for these these big picture um, approaches. Yeah, it's to, one to, of the best examples of the mining industry players actually collaborating um, right. because there are topics of interest that have such an impact on everyone uh, and of global interest that things like, you know, tailings dam failures or the ESG initiatives, net zero by 2050, these are rallying points for the large industry players. So why does one need to standardize in order to have those discussions or participate in those discussions? Oh, well, uh, a good example, straight off the, the, the bat, the recent uh, climate change conference. Everybody's talking yep. about net zero and lots of people committing to do it by a certain time. Uh, some companies are extremely ambitious in the statements they make in public uh, to the extent that they are being taken to court to challenge them. So um, we don't yet have a totally common flavor to handle how these things should be done consistently, but we at least have people getting their heads together to try and sort that out. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, I mean, we, we've talked about some initiatives already now. Um, Maybe talk about some of the reasons why these initiatives are either successful or less successful at, at any given instance. Sure. Um, apart from the obvious um, resistance to change types of pushbacks that you get. Yeah. Yeah. I'm part of a discussion forum on digital transformation. And the next presentation is actually entitled Transformation Efforts and Why They Fail. So there are many, many examples around and well documented. Uh, and the various consultants firms around the world will also put some numbers to these things. If you cannot get 
buy-in for transformation at the top of the company, at best, you will only ever transform one or two silos. So again, sure. it requires that huge effort from everybody uh, consistently if we're going to make it work. Uh, there are other reasons. We get we talk about language. You know, it's bad enough just trying to do all this stuff in English. Now you want to do it in uh, two, diff two or three different languages in the same conversations. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And so they don't always have the stamina to see these things through. Terminology is definitely an issue. People use different words to mean the same things, the same words to mean different things. So coming yeah. to grips with that is um, a significant part of any standardization effort within a company, particularly one that has many different mining sites scattered around the world. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was easy. We'd have done it a long time ago. <laughs> But, but I mean, it, is, it can be done and, and it has been proven to be successful if you look at globally comparable accounting standards that, know, that promote transparency and accountability and sure. efficiency in financial markets. You know, so, so you know, it's not as if this is a, a never been tried, never been proven successful or useful you know, endeavor. No, I guess at the end of the day, it's uh, why am I doing it? Yeah. And as long as I have a piecemeal approach, mm, difficult to add the word transformation to the same sentence. Absolutely. So so talk, talk to us a little bit about collaboration and and who contributes and, and for whom this works and and why it would work and so on. OK, uh, then there are on the positive side of things, there are some good uh, examples going on at the moment. Uh, we've mentioned ICMM. Yeah, but yeah. Um, at a national level, there are several initiatives on the go, and occasionally we manage to get past the national boundaries as well. So, for example, there's the Electric Mine Consortium in Australia, and it has all sorts of players, not just Australian ones. Uh, there is an automated mine initiative in Sweden. It is composed of Swedish companies getting together to make an automated mine work. I think it will be the first one. There's such a significant level of effort there. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, they're not keeping all that information to themselves. They do share. And that's where then organizations like the Global Mining Guidelines Group come in. Uh, they've managed to cross many different national boundaries in the way they put their initiatives together. Sure. And um, Australian, another one is Amira Group. They recently made some serious inroads into getting collaboration going uh, with the Canadians. Uh, with GMG and with other such bodies. And then there's the open group itself. If you get into the IT side of things, um, they are a significant player in bringing uh, people together for the purpose yeah. of standardized uh, approaches to what is really messy stuff to handle. When we look at the interoperability between uh, systems these days, mines and, and companies are so digitized that uh, you cannot talk about interoperable companies without also uh, thinking of interoperability at an IT or a digital uh, level. And all of those things depend on things like master data management, which is a big term for just saying, okay, uh, you know, who who gets to create new data? Who gets to decide what things are called and 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 who manages that? Um, and, and and it seems to be IT issues that to, that need to be solved. But in in reality, it is all about how do I organize my business 
and how do I weld together different processes and, and enable them through systems, isn't it? No, absolutely. As one guy in mine RP puts it, you know well, is that engineers write software to solve engineering problems, but at the same time, they create IT problems. Absolutely, you know, so they are known for creating business problems while solving, <laughs> or creating IT problems while solving business problems. And, yeah. and those 500 plus that I referred to earlier are all there because you have a professional scientist of one kind or another, uh, or engineer or accounting profession. They have their needs for very specific information. And yeah. the uh, applications are set up to provide that. So, so they, that also, of course, causes a little bit of pushback sometimes uh, because, you know, many of these, uh, not only individuals, but companies spend big money to, to solve really complicated business problems and really valuable and sometimes even differentiating business problems. If, I'm, if I happen to develop an, uh, a geological modeling approach that is much, much more accurate than, than what the next guy can, that gives me an advantage and, and I'm not always very keen to share that. So how does that work in this uh, in this domain of standardization? Yep, and quite right. And it's exactly how the proliferation happens. Um, but the it becomes a problem for the mining business when if I've described a problem, I can identify what kind of data I need to help me resolve that. As soon as right. I get right. into the handling of that data and I'm spending inordinate amounts of time converting one data type to another, it actually becomes part of the problem for the business to get around to doing what it needs to do. And, and that's the kind of impetus that puts people to some kind of standardization or interoperable efforts. Yeah, because I I guess there's the there's the cost of developing the system and then there's the cost of maintaining its connections with other systems in the enterprise and across the enterprise. And now, you know, of course, many global companies have mines of different types uh, that mine different commodities in different regions to different languages. Uh, reporting to different, um, you know, financial bosses, etc., with different regulatory systems in different countries, and so you know, for them, in order to manage to any kind of uh, level of productivity and to compare productivity levels of mines, there has to be, uh, in a concerted effort, to standardise the way we measure and call things, isn't it? Agreed. In mine RP, we have uh, examples of mining companies, seven mines on three continents, with more than half of the known applications from more than half of the known vendors. Sure. So, and standardization might not be the right word there. Uh, certainly some rationalization makes sense. But again, each mining method, each professional discipline needs its own specific information. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we want people to use the tools that work for them. We will then bring the stuff together on the MineRP platform. That, for me, is our main claim to fame. Last week on our podcast, we had a, an interesting guest, and we spoke to James Balzari from Tillit, and they have a platform that does digital transformation for, uh, you know, small to medium factories. 
And there's hardly ever a digital transformation uh, panel or workshop where we don't hear that we've got to adopt standards. We've got to look to other industries from other standards. Uh, have you ever, ever seen this succeed at all? Um, look, people try. Success partially, I, I would say, right. is, is the best example I can come up with. Uh, a very good one of that is the ISA 95 standard, which grew up in the manufacturing industry. Mm. And and people like to say, well, we should be able to run mines like factories. Mm, to some extent, yes, but it's not copy and paste. Sure. And so there have been efforts in a couple of mining companies um, to take the ISA 95 standard. So the ISA 95 standard has a five-level uh, structure which covers all the IT stuff from sensors and the collection of raw data right through to your executive reporting system. Yes. It is a very useful landscape for making a picture out of what goes on on a mine now and what we'd like it to look like when transformation is finished. But the rules uh, of the ISA 95 standards don't translate directly from manufacturing to mining. There have been some efforts to uh, rewrite them and just give them the right twist that makes it more sense in mining. Um, it has not been by any means universally accepted. It's certainly not uh, brought into that standard, um, but some people are trying and, and with some measure of success. All right, Mike, thanks a lot. I think that should give many of our listeners a lot, lot to chew on. Your final perspective, maybe, is this a horse worth flogging anymore or, uh, or is it the last race? It's definitely not a lost race. I am very keen, as I've said earlier, on the standard models. I don't see one standard data format for everybody. We need to accommodate people's initiative and creativity, and each uh, technical discipline still has their own requirements. Okay, thanks a lot for that, Mike. I, I think let's let's bring that to a close then. Now, there's lots more to be said. Uh, it's interesting that, that there's a lot of standardization in the underlying technology. If we look at cloud services that are gaining you know, popularity and high performance computing and all, all kinds of you know, underlying capabilities that, that I think will, do, will go very far towards improving the speed of innovation and so on. But of course, unless we're careful, they might also lock us into just a new paradigm, which you know, another 10 years down the line might again not be appropriate. So I, I like that you said we shouldn't be driving towards one way of doing it and one way only, because in as much as it could speed up innovation, it could also lock us in again. Yeah, I, let me add, if it's only going to happen in 10 years time, it's not my problem. Maybe. <laughs> well, there you go. Mike, as I draw this to a close in, we always ask our listeners what they're reading. And so we've asked you before, but uh, that's been a few months ago. So hopefully you don't read that slowly. What's on your bedside table? What yeah, are you reading? No, I, I actually put the uh, history book aside for a while. Okay. Uh, more recently, I have been doing a little bit of uh, internal, I guess, uh, introspection. Um, for some years, I have enjoyed John Maxwell's books on leadership mm -hmm. and personal development. So I've just been through one of those again. And right. another one that my wife uh, has gotten me to read is Practicing God's Presence. So at a personal level, um, uh -huh. I've actually enjoyed both of those. And yeah. last night, I started a new book 
called Who Took Einstein's Office? And it's a write-up on the Institute of Advanced Studies in Princeton, uh, which I'm quite looking forward to. Thank you very much. It's a lot of fun. There you go.